How's it going, Sunrise? So my name is Matt Parker. If you're new here, um, I'm on staff and just want to uh, welcome you. Um, we have info cards if, uh, if you want to give us your information so we can stay in co- contact with you. The greeters will have it. I don't know if we had a greeter today, but yeah, we did. Um, the men's breakfast is this coming Saturday, the 8th. And Daryl said he's making burritos again, and I ate like three of them last time, so it's worth going and getting one of those at least. Um, The life group leaders meeting that we were going to have after church today is going to get moved till next Sunday on the 9th. And then Megan wanted me to say something, I forget. Um, Oh, the parade. She's, if you have a a kid up through high school that you want to have in their float, uh, just talk to her. And then uh, I was just wanting to share with you um, Sunrise's life verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I just want to challenge you guys, Sunrise, today. Are you a Christian that's sharing the gospel wherever you're at? Um, I pray for you often, Sunrise, and I'll just pray right now. Jesus, I just love you. Um, I just ask for your spirit to overwhelm us, meet us where we're at, no matter what, what kind of week we've had what has been done to us, what, uh, what kind of sin we've committed. If we're truly broken for you, Jesus, you will meet us where we're at and forgive us. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The ending of Second Peter chapter 3, um, verse 17 and 18. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on your guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Let's continue to worship and have that in our minds as we think about these trialing times we're in right now and ultimately how thankful we we are that we can come here together and worship together. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see beauty that heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together. Worthy, all together wonderful too. 
of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy
splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his
just ask that you be with us here. Open our hearts to the message that Dewey has for us. Ultimately, bring peace to our hearts. Let us find salvation in you. Whether we're struggling today or whether we're feeling whole with you, we know that we have our own struggles, and each one of us needs your help. Lord, I ask you to bless everybody here today and all those not able to come. And ultimately, here we are to worship you. In Jesus' name. Morning. Some of you out there said, what in the heck is going on if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago? I was all uh, um, self-absorbed in my great lesson that I had, and uh, I had a piece of foam board right here, and I was going to make this, I mean, it was fabulous, people. Um, a great point. And so I stepped over here to whatever, and I crashed, tumbled, tore down that, well, it wasn't that bad. But anyway, I crashed and burned. So I thought I might as well have some fun with it. So I thought, uh, that's what I came up with. But anyway, I was going to sneak in here and put mattresses all over the thing, or uh, I asked somebody if they had any bubble wrap I could wrap around me. Or, uh, but what I really thought was good was to give everybody a little whiteboard with uh, a marker, and you could judge my uh, dismount. <laughs> and so the Baptist judge gave him a five. The Episcopalian only gave him a two. And uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of fun. And somebody asked me, uh, well, it wasn't fun, but you with me? After I got over the initial shock and hurt my feelings, but uh, didn't hurt my physically at all, but. <laughs> Uh, somebody said to me, he said, is that the most embarrassing moment you ever had? And I said, no. <laughs> I taught school for 42 years. So uh, I've, <laughs> I've had plenty of them. So anyway, it's good to be here this morning. Um, this, uh, I don't know if you know this, but this is our uh, church birthday today, first Sunday in August. And Steve told me this. Yeah. Uh, nine years that we've been blessed to, to uh, be able to fellowship together and uh, minister to our community and just uh, see folks grow in the Lord. So it's, it's been great. And uh, uh, another thing I want to tell you is uh, why after that fiasco would I be back up here? Well, Pastor uh, Brent's not feeling very well this morning, and he was kind of under the weather, so I'm a last minute, so don't expect too much. So uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's good to be here. So let's open in prayer before we start. <clears throat> Father, thanks so much for just being who you are. And uh, today we want to um, delve into that more and more. And I just pray that you'd open up our eyes and our ears that we would be able to see exactly um, who you are and, and what, you, what you've done for us. 
Father, I thank you for every person that's here this morning. Um, they're precious to you, Father. And uh, maybe they're here this morning um, hurting or confused or um, just with the, the trials of this life. But Father, I just ask that we would take a few moments here to get rid of all that, to be able to focus upon you and be blessed by what you have for us. So uh, it's going to be a great morning, and we thank you ahead of time. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about something that's kind of on my heart this morning, and that's the idea of, and some people use them interchangeably, but religion versus relationship. And what does that mean? And you see well-meaning people all the time say, uh, um, and I had say it to me, maybe you too, you, well, you're kind of religious, aren't you? And I know they mean that as something good, but uh, hopefully, after we get done here, no, I'm not very religious, and I really don't want to be. And you go, what do you mean? Well, it's not really actually, if you use the word, um, it's only used a couple of times in Scripture, and one kind of positive, it says true religion is this, that we minister to the widows, maybe you're familiar with that verse, and then uh, there's one that's not positive at all. And it talks about, you know, you religious bunch of vipers and so on and so forth. And so you go, what's the difference here? So that's what I want to talk about today. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, a story that Jesus told. And it's in Luke 15. And I believe we're going to have it up here. Um, And this is the tale or the parable of the prodigal son. And I know that most of you have have heard of that, if you don't know it intimately, but you've, I'm sure you've heard at least heard of the passage. Very famous. Probably, well, I, I can guarantee it, probably being preached this very day across this United States for the thousands of churches. It's a famous, famous story. And uh, I just want to look at it with that in mind. Religion versus relationship. So, uh, we'll begin at 11. I'm going to read through the whole thing. It's fairly long, but it won't take me that long. But we go down to 32. So I'll just read it, and uh, then we'll go back and hit some high points, and then move on. Um, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, uh, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he, uh, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger." I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he hurried home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you, excuse me, both heaven and you, um, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, 
and get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was, working in, the, uh, was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All those years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast for my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on, on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing a fatted calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Um, so let's go through this real quick and just talk about this. Again, I'm sure perhaps you've heard it. But let's go back to... Uh, um, Verse 11, and it says, to illustrate this point further, and you say, well, what does that mean? Well, uh, in uh, chapter 15, there's a couple of other stories before this. Uh, the, the 90 and 9, where it says that uh, uh, the shepherd will leave the 90 and 9 to go after that one, you. And he was, you know, you're that important to him. Most people say, well, man, I don't want to go after that one because the 90, 90 and 9 might scatter. Or the wolves come in and kill whatever, so no, you're that important that he would leave them to go get you. So that was that parable. And so anyway, he's just talking about all this stuff about God is seeking you, God is going to go get you, God is, you know, you're important to him, and so on and so forth. So it says, to illustrate this point further, so that's what he's talking about. Now, uh, so this man has these two, these two boys, and uh, this younger one, uh, we can just read between the lines here, is been a handful his whole life probably just one of those kids i have four in my family and and if you're watching sorry kids but i'm not going to mention names <laughs> but i've i've got them at range with four kids and anybody that's got had any children at all realize i don't care if you have five they're the same but they're not the same north south east and west i mean they're different and uh, even though you know they have the same blood but anyway there's times that there's that one strong-willed child that seems to just want to want to be rebellious, and um, anyway, so this is the son, and it's really interesting what he tells his what he tells his dad. He goes basically saying, um, "Now Jesus, I need to back up. Jesus is telling a parable. You understand that a parable is just a story. Sometimes we call it an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words." This didn't actually happen. I mean, this story happened that Jesus told it, but he wasn't saying, I remember back. He just made up a story, and he's trying to do some illustrations so you understand that. But when he did this, remember who he's talking to here. And this is, uh, we're going to see that he's really painting this kid, um, how you want to say it, in a, in a bad light, and yet we're going to see how good God is. So he's, uh, the son asked him, he says, before, um, I want my my uh, inheritance before you die. And if you'll know, notice in the Old Testament, there was a whole um, paradigm to fit that. And uh, the oldest son got, got more share than the rest of them did, and it talks about it. Um, anyway, if you want to read about that in the old Levitical laws, 
So he knew he wasn't going to get necessarily equal shares, but uh, he basically saying, I, I can't wait for you to die. I mean, how, if you think about that, how cruel. That's what he was basically saying. I want to now, so, you know, I'm going to die so I can have my, so I can have my inheritance. What a stab. And what did, the, what did the Jews know? Well, I'll tell you what they knew. What did it say in the, in the uh, Ten Commandments? Honor thy mother and father. Well, boom, there he goes. And so the crowd's kind of, as he's saying, this crowd's kind of mad at him, uh, mad at this kid anyway, even though it's a story. Going, yeah, what, what's going on here? So then we move on to, uh, he packed his belongings, and if we'll look in verse 15, uh, he... Uh, uh, persuaded, so he went out there and did uh, wild living. And again, God's saying this, whatever, just think about what's happening. But we're going out there and just everything that we could put it today, folks. I mean, like I say, this doesn't have to sound like way back. You know, you're raised a certain way and things are going on and go, man, that kid. You know, I, ha- I have a friend who has two boys um, and his, uh, he actually ran a Bible camp and uh, that way, out of, anyway, but, um, and he had two boys that were just wilder and wild. Yes, you know, really were. And, you know, and I can, I can, I can get this. I mean, I sort of feel how, how this guy's feeling here. So he's trying to paint this picture. So I'll keep moving here. So he ran, so this wild living, so put that out. They were out rodeoing, doing this and that, drunk after the thing, uh, snorting coke before I got on the bull, uh, blah, 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 wild living. And he runs out of money. And so he asks this farmer, can I feed your pigs? And you go, okay, well, that's kind of a disgusting job. No, it was worse than that. Again, now, the Jews are going, "Ah," because pigs were strictly taboo. I mean, they were dirty. And you didn't get around them. Whatever. And he's not only that, he's feeding them. And perhaps they had him going in there, and he's touching whatever. I mean, this is bad. So again, what's the crowd doing? B- bad son. He was bad to you before. You know, he was rebellious before this. He runs away and says, I hope you die, or I can't wait for you to die. I don't care if you die. And give me my money. And whatever, just that, you know, chest out, chin stuck out, whatever. Runs out of money, and he's, now he's, and he's feeding pigs. What could be akin to that today? I don't know. Something that's really taboo. Say, perhaps... Uh, She's in Vegas and doing whatever. And it's breaking my heart as a, as a dad to see my daughter do that. And I won't go any further with kids here and whatever, but you got me. And if you know what happens in Nevada, legalized and so on and so forth, that kind of thing. And they're going, wow, he or she really has stumbled. So as we move along here, uh, <laughs> I like this in, in 16. And I tell you what, this has happened to me. 16 says... The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good. The slop. And they use the word pods, but just the slop. And you go, I don't know if you guys have ever done pigs, but I, we had pigs when I was a kid growing up, and there was, we had a slop bucket, exactly what it was called. And it'd just be the slop. And you go, hmm, that looks pretty good. I'm hungry. And so he's to that point. Now, uh, he said he, he, the, everything looked good to him. He said but in verse 16, but no one gave him anything. Now, that's interesting. Where's all your buddies? When you're back behind the chutes, 
Where's all those guys when, when you bought the 24-pack of booze or whatever? Where's your buddies at? And boy, we see that, we see that, we see that. And I think everybody in here can attest to that thing. That when we're out there living that life, they're not really buddies. You know, we, we might think they are, but they're taking advantage. You know, they probably don't, they're probably not doing it on purpose. Because probably if that happened to them, you wouldn't be either. But that world out there, and you go, who do I really hang on to? And it ain't those guys. I'll tell you. And again, that one I can say, I, I can attest to. Is good time Charlie, but where are you when I need you? And can't be found. All right, let's keep moving. So, um, when he finally came to his senses, he said, I'm going to go back home. And won't read all that, but as he's going home, he's rehearsing what to say to his father. Because look what I've done. I've done this and that, those things I said, to broke those, the pig laws and, and doing disgusting things and so on and so forth and told you I wished you'd die or whatever the case would be. He ain't going to take me back. How do I, what do I say to him the first time I see him? Well, he agrees to throw himself on the mercy of his father, and he says, uh, and I'm reading, it says it actually twice, in 19 and also in uh, 21, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. That's what he says he's going to tell his father. Take me back. I'm no longer being worthy of being called your son. Now that is interesting because you say, well, why is it? he's not worthy? That means that I have to be worthy to be called your son. In other words, I have to have, and worthy means what? Having worth. I have to have worth to be called your son? Hmm. I can't help but, but think, and this has never happened to me, praise God, but it could. What about that, the parents of that, that person that, that has murdered somebody that we read about in the news? You say embarrassment being crushed, but you know what? He started saying with tears. But that's my son. And he's a murderer. He is. I'm not defending it. He didn't do it, but he's my son. And you could just go on. A terrorist, I think, of these things. And said nobody knew how that, that he was that way. Next door neighbors say or whatever. But that's my son. And he says, so if he would be really good, so my son, the doctor, that's my son. My son, the blank, is not my son. Yes, he is. He's your son. And you love him. And father, and your daughters too. As we say this, children. I hope you understand I'm not, you know, your children. Your daughters and everything. But they're mine. And I love them dearly. And so, with that being said, I just, you know, that, that just really struck me. But he says, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He thought he had to be worthy. In other words, I have to do this for, for you to accept me. So I want to read this little, uh, and again, I'll try to read quick. And I don't like to just usually just read to you, but I thought rather than trying to paraphrase this, I'd just read it. This is an actual, um, this guy is a Christian speaker, and he adopted a little girl, and I just want you to read this, thinking about what that guy just, what the kid just said about, uh, I'm not worthy to be your son. Um, so listen. It says, I never dreamed that taking a child to Disney World could be so difficult. Or that such a trip could teach me so much about God's grace. Our middle daughter had been previously adopted by another family. I'm sure this couple did their best, had their best of intentions, but they never quite integrated the adopted child into their family of biological children. After a couple of rough years, they dissolved the adoption, and we ended up welcoming, welcoming an eight-year-old girl into her home. 
For one reason or another, whenever our daughter's previous family vacationed at Disney World, they took their own children, but they left their adopted child behind with a friend. Usually, at least in the child's mind, this happened because she did something wrong that precluded her presence on the trip. So, by the time we adopted our daughter, she had seen many pictures of Disney World and she, that she had heard about the rides and characters and the parades, but when it came to passing through the gates of the Magic Kingdom, she had always been left on the outside. Once I found out about this history, I made plans to take her to Disney World for the next time I had a speaking engagement in Florida. I thought I had mastered the Disney World drill. I knew from previous experiences that the prospect of seeing cast members in freakishly oversized mouse and duck costumes somehow turns children into squirming bundles of emotional instability. What I didn't expect was that the prospect of visiting this dream world would produce a stream of downright devilish behavior in our newest daughter. In the month leading up to our trip to the Magic Kingdom, she stole food when she could have just asked for it. She lied when it would have been easier to tell the truth. She whispered insults that were carefully crafted to hurt her older sister. And as days on the calendar moved closer to the trip, uh, her mutinies multiplied. A couple of days before our family headed to Florida, I pulled her daughter to my lap to talk to her about her latest escapade. I know what you're doing, she stated flatly. You're not going to take me to Disney World, are you? The thought hadn't actually crossed my mind, but her downward spiral suddenly started to make some sense. She knew she couldn't earn her way to the Magic Kingdom. She tried and failed at that. So she was living in a way that placed her as far as possible from the most magical place on earth. In retrospect, I'm embarrassed to admit that in the moment, I was tempted to turn her fear into my own advantage. The easiest response would have been, if you don't start behaving better, you're right, I won't take you. But as God's grace, but by God's grace, I didn't. Instead, I asked her, is this trip something we're doing as a family? She nodded. Are you part of this family? She nodded again. Then you're going with us. Sure, there may be some consequences to help you remember what's right and wrong, but you're part of the family and we're not going to leave you. I'd like to say that her behaviors grew better after that moment, but it didn't. Her choices pretty much spiraled out of control at every hotel stop all the way to Florida. Still, we headed to Disney World on the day we said we would, and it was a typical Disney day. Overpriced tickets, overpriced meals, long lines, mingled with just enough manufactured magic to consider maybe going back again someday. In our hotel room that evening was a very very different child emerged. She was exhausted pensive and a little weepy at times, but her month-long facade of rebellion had faded away. When bedtime rolled around, I prayed with her, held her tight, and said, so how was your first day at Disney World? Now listen to this. She closed her eyes and snuggled down into her stuffed Mickey. After a few moments, she opened her eyes ever so brightly and said, Daddy, I finally got to go to Disney World. But it wasn't because I was good. It was because I was yours. Wow. She didn't go to Disney World because she was good. Because she was part of that family. And it's the same deal with the prodigal son. He got accepted back 
not because he was good. He didn't get good first. I just thought that was a, a really, really touching story. So let's go back to, um, I'm back into Luke 15 now. Um, so in verse 22, the father says, he says, but the boy said, I'm not worthy of being your son. And what did the father say? Did he say, uh, uh, you know, how dare you come back here, whatever the case may be. It's really interesting. He didn't say anything to him. I mean, they hugged, they kissed, and uh, wept, I'm sure. And, but he didn't say anything to him. He just started barking out orders, and I'll get there in just a second. But I want to talk about, I think this is sometimes mislabeled as you know, the prodigal son, and you say, we're telling God's word's not right. Well, God didn't label these passages. You know that. The verses weren't numbered back in the old original. Man put that in there to find it. Chapter whatever down to here, other than reading through the whole paragraph. Anyway, in the headings, that wasn't there. So I rather call this the gracious father versus the prodigal son. Because it's about the dad. And I hope that you've already picked up on this, but this story is about God in heaven and us. So the Father, of course, is God. And like I say, this isn't any big theological jump. Um, we know that. So, did you notice back in here when, when I read this before the first time? It says, in just one, I'm in verse uh, 20. So he returned to his father. Uh, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened there. First of all, when he was a long way off. Now, how in the world did he know he was a long way off? He was looking for him. That's why. Where's my son? I miss my son. I love my son. Rather than just, I don't know. What do you hear from your daughter? Um, you know, I, I haven't heard from him for years. I don't know. Change the subject, whatever. Uh-uh, not this guy. He was looking a long way off. And I can't help but think, like I said, this is a story, a parable, but if it was me in my mind, I don't know why I put this at sundown or or... or uh, the latter part of the day, but you could just see him walking down there. And you know what? Boys and girls have the same gait mannerism as dad does. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but you can see people and know who they are. But you're silhouetting and watching them walk. And, uh, you know, he said, that's my son. And the next interesting thing that's really important, and again, he's talking to the Jews, is it says that after he saw him coming, uh, that he ran to meet him. Another thing that they understand that we don't understand. A man, a the patriarch, did not run. It was a sign of shame. And they wouldn't show. You remember when David, if you read about him towards the end of his life, but when they uh, dedicated the temple and they were dancing, he was dancing around, his wife got all mad at him, and other people said, you're jumping around like a typical whatever, and they're even seeing your ankle and, and whatever, and you know, you're, it was just bad. You didn't run. It was like, you know, he may have been happy to see him, but you come. God ran for you. He ran to get you. This is the story. It's not about just his son. Hope you understand that. There's a, 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 it's deeper than that. And he ran to get you. It wasn't just like, yeah, come on. I did that. Come on. And then maybe even, as sometimes like we do with a little child trying to walk, we keep backing up a little bit so they'll walk. You know, no. He ran to meet him. Threw his arms open. Didn't accuse him hugged him, kissed him, wept with him, I'm sure. And um, so then what he does next is interesting. Like I said, he didn't yell at him. He just said, very first thing, and I'll move on quick here. It says in verse 22, 
He says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, get a ring for his finger, and sandals for his feet. Now we know something about that. <laughs> he didn't have any of those. <laughs> probably sold them. Probably pawned them when he was having problems. It says, he said, put sandals on your feet. He didn't have sandals on. That's why he said that. He didn't have a robe on. And the ring, of course, like I said, well, this can go deep, and I don't have time, but um, that was a signet ring. And it signified who his family was and whatever. And so it'd, it'd be used. What they would do was the hot wax thing, and it would be a seal. That's what it really was called, a signet ring. And it identified him as his family. And that was, uh, um, you know, very, very important. So those three things. So then they said they killed the calf. And I love this. The party began. <laughs> I, I like that. Sometimes we sit and um, I don't think it's that way in our church, and I'm glad of it, but some places, don't say this, don't say that, don't act like you had too much fun, you know, whatever, and, and not that we should do anything brazen or whatever the case may be, but I like this. And you say, well, that doesn't really mean, no, it does mean what it says. The party was on. And you go, why do you know that? Because the son came in later, the older son, and he said he heard, he heard shouting, music, dancing. They were dancing. Yeah, what it says. And the party was on. And it is. God celebrates us in that way. Not this stoic, uh, you know, whatever. And that's kind of what I grew up with. Well, you didn't want to say this in church, that in church. Have your hair this long or that long or this short. Or skirts, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, hmm, let's celebrate. So, interesting. So, all that happens. The brother's back. He's re-accepted, never was not accepted, just welcomed back. And then we see in verse 25, the other son Ta-da, comes up here. So this is a great, uh, this is a great uh, uh, dramatic effect. The other son shows up. This ain't good. And he is hot. And this other son is a picture to me and I read it in some commentators too, but it's a picture to me of the organized church. And he says to him, and you go, no, what do you mean by that? Well, just listen. He says to him, 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in, and his father came out and begged, begged him to come in. And he wasn't accepting him. And we see that with a lot, a lot of churches. He was mad, and, rather than, and he was angry. He was angry because his brother came back. Now, wait a minute. Aren't you happy that your brothers repented and came back and saw the error of his ways? And, and rather than, you know, and we do this, you know. Have you ever had somebody, and I have, again, tell you about this. Have you ever had somebody uh, that has harmed you or hurt you or whatever? And then you might read in the paper that they're having some legal problems or whatever. And you go, man, that's too bad. But deep down inside of you, Yes, he got his. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, you hear, but you know, and this is his own brother, and he was not happy that he came back. I think he wanted him to do this and that, and bow down and stoop down and do that, and tell me you're sorry. Don't just tell dad you're sorry, because I got all this extra work. I mean, we do have servants, but I got all this extra work that you didn't. Do, blah 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 blah. And he had a list, and we see that, like I said, he wasn't accepting. I would love to have a church full of prodigals that we could celebrate. That you're walking around and you said, I'm a true picture of God's grace. 
rather than somebody that's quote-unquote been in the church. I mean, I, and I love us older saints. I'm one of them. But that's why I'm not trying to say that. But a lot of times, I have to tell you, it brings with that. Don't like that music. Whatever. And going, enough already. Look at these babies. It might be 40, but or 30, that are coming to Christ. Celebrate. They don't know they ever grew up in your world. That you're saying, no, no hair of that music. Be that that older person that, that puts her arms around these youngsters and bring them back. And don't keep, you know, the father accepting them. Who are you to not accept them? He did. So there's where we need to be. Well, anyway, so he says in verse 29, this is really telling. All these years I slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. So I'm, in this, I'm still here, and I slaved for you. So what kind of relationship is that? He didn't say, you know, I had this opportunity to fellowship with you, Dad, and whatever the case would be. We can put it in church today. We hear about burnout. Man, I'm sick and tired of making coffee, setting up chairs. I'm slaving for you. Well, who are you doing it for? If you have a relationship, thanks, thanks God. Thanks, Dad. And he should have said, Daddy, you've thrown that, this feast for my brother. I'm glad he's home. But you know what? I got to eat with you every day. How sweet you are to me. And no, I didn't have a fatted calf, but you know what? As he was out there, whatever, I always had food. And I got to fellowship with you. And I got to hold hands around the table and pray with Mom and you. And what a great God you are. And that's a mature way of looking at it. But he wasn't there. So now, this next part, I don't know if you do know about, but we're going to go into this quickly. Uh, what happens next to this son is that, you know, that older boy, he wasn't having it. He was still, if, if dad doesn't exact justice, I'm going to. And you say, now who is the older son? Akin to the organized church, the religious church. I talk about religion versus whatever. And if, if God isn't going to, or if Daddy isn't going to, I'm going to. So here's some more of that story. And I'll tell you where you can find it in the Bible. So the son, the older son, comes out. One time he walks by, and he's still snarky. And he may have said it with a, well, he did say it, with a little bit of whatever. He says, uh, a nice robe that Dad gave you. He said, well, thanks. Yeah. He said, uh, you know, you better keep it clean. Because one thing he hates after he, uh, you know, is just slothfulness and whatever. Keep it clean. He said, well, no, Dad, I don't think Daddy would be that way. He said, I'm telling you, he is. Stop it. Just keep it clean. That's all I ask, you know. Wear another robe while you get that one clean, but don't be, don't be wearing that one dirty. And he kind of looked around, and okay, so he leaves. A couple of days later, older son shows up, and he said, uh, what are you uh, wearing that, that ring on your thumb for? He said, well, it's too big for me. And I, my fingers are skinnier, but it'll fit on my thumb. He says, well, don't do that. It's, he says right in the thing, he says, you've got to bring a ring for his finger. Put it on your finger where you're supposed to be. You look like, you look like a hippie or something, you know, rings on your toes and doing whatever case may be. And take that off your thumb. Dad don't like that. And he said, yeah, but it won't, it won't stay on. He said, I don't care. Put it on your finger. And, he, and so the son said, okay, it will. And he had to hold it on because if he went like this, he'd fall off. So he 
was all in his conscience of always keeping his hand tight and whatever. And in fact, he was so worried about it most of the time that he got cramps up his arm from from clenching that that ring on his on his um, on his hand. A couple of days later, his son comes back and says, older son comes back and says, uh, you know, I just want to tell you. Um, Dad's going to take those sandals away from you if you don't wear them correctly. I mean, you look like a bum. We'd say today, you got your Nikes on with the tongue hanging out and the shoestrings off the side. He said, cinch those things up and look like you're supposed to. We'd say today, pull your pants up. I mean, whatever, but, uh, but uh, he says, you know, Dad, Dad's not going to accept you like that. Lace those things up. And he goes, he won't take my... Would he? You think he would? Now, he won't. But anyway, so the son leaves, and he didn't want to let him know, but he bends down on one knee to tie his sandals. Hard to do because he's got this fist closed with that ring on there. And he ties tiny sandals, and he hears, Hello, son. And he looks up, and it's daddy. And he looked down, and his robe was soiled. His ring wasn't positioned correctly. And his sandals were untied. And he got up and says, I can't do this. I, you give me these gifts, but I can't, I can't keep up with this. And he runs away again. He said, I'm sorry, Daddy. I just can't do it. You know, Where did you read that? Because I've read the Bible before. Well, I'll tell you. I read that in the book of Galatians. So we're going to turn there. And look at this, okay? And the first one I want to look at is Galatians 1.6. I think Erica has it for us. Now, what happened was Paul went to the, the uh, and I'll try to make this quick here. Um, Paul went to the church at Galatia, which is an area, and um, he, what he found there really, really distur- disturbed him. In fact, the whole book of Galatians, you ever notice that a lot of other books They'll be like, this This will talk about that, and it'll be a heading, and this will talk about that. The whole book of Galatians is about this. I don't know if you even knew this, but uh, and I'm not challenging your, your intellect. I just meant to realize that it's talking about this. So here's what happens. He says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. He's shocked about this. What? That you're turning. Let me go ahead and read, yeah, I'll read this. So you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Good news is gospel, okay? But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, what were they twisting? I'll tell you the story real quick. Uh, uh, Paul goes there, and Peter is already in there, and he's been eating with people or whatever. And for those of of you, again, that know the Old Testament, one of the major things that um, God told Abraham to do, Abram, told to do was to circumcise all males and circumcision was a a sign that you were with christ so to speak with god and so he says uh you must be circumcised." well he finds out that even those father tradition you think peter did that yeah and he said i had to confront him face to face he was saying the blood of christ and whatever and be circumcised whoa and he says, no way. In fact, sometimes I saw a commentator called this the fighting letter, the book to Galatians. 
He was, I mean, not fighting, fighting, but whatever. He said, we're contending for the faith, and we're going to nip this right now. And um, that's what, what all these are talking about. So I want to read through these fa- fairly quickly. So if we look at uh, 2.16, Galatians 2.16, it says, We know that a person is made right uh, with God by faith in Jesus Christ and not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Now, do you see that? You can never be right with God by obeying the law. But, go ahead and cinch your sandals up, wear your ring correctly, give money, uh, uh, be baptized, so on and so on. Although I'm not saying those things are bad, but it's not salvation. That's not the message of grace. Grace is, I am totally messed up. Jesus came on the cross for me. I accept that, that his, his atoning blood for me. And that's it. Not, and you know what? I've fallen into this, people. Then I do something wrong, and I still have this guilt. And I'm looking at Daddy and going, oops, and I don't want to make eye contact with him because I did something wrong. He's going... Did you notice those things that he said? Is Daddy never said any of those things about the sandals? The son did. You say, well, who's the son? The, ch- the church did. Don't do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Jesus says, or the, the religion says, don't, don't, don't. Don't dance, don't blah, 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 whatever. Depends on which denomination you're in. And Jesus says, done, done, done. What did he say uh, in uh, John 19? Late, late in the thing is when he was on the cross, and he says his last words, it is finished. It's done. I paid for that. Well, yeah, I'm saved, but now when I go ahead and blow it up here, you know, the future, well, he's not going to come back and die. That's covered too. And this shocks a lot of people. <laughs> but it's done. He died for past, present, and future sins. And you need to believe that and comfort in it. Now, are we still going to sin? Of course we are. We do, because we're still broken human beings. But the thing is, it affects nothing as far as our, our relationship with Christ. We didn't add anything to it, as it says here. So let me continue on. Um, let's look at 3.3. 3. It says, How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Now, I just want to speak here real quickly to this. I tell you why, because people like effort. And they, you say, oh, they do? They do. Because as long as I've got effort and I get stuff done, uh, it tells me, okay, what do I need to do now? Spell it out. Okay, I did that. Check, check, check. So I can do those things. He says, no, just believe in me. But we want effort. Besides that, it separates me from somebody else. There's this guy over here that I know, and, and uh, he's divorced, and... Uh, his kids are, talk about kids, or kids are kind of out of control. And he smokes. And, well, let's all back up the smoke. He takes a dip. Okay, we have to go, those guys. You know what? I'm better than him because I got this list. Because I'm still married and I don't dip. And what was the other one? Oh, and my children are all junior Billy Grahams. So I'm pretty good. So you got this list because you can compare it to. We like lists. And Jesus said, mm-mm, you're all in the same bag and you're all in trouble. And I believe that I died for you on the cross. 
And you know, there, there is no list and there's no rules to live by. But some people love it and some churches love that. Did you do this? Did you do that? You know, I, again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know I'm on a line here, but, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I know there's a denomination out there. My, my older sister was talking about that. Um, she's not a member of it, but you take communion every week. And it's part of, you know, if you don't, I mean, it's, it's, part, of this, it's part of the program. It's not remember this until I come. Jesus said, it's like, this is part of the deal. And there's nothing wrong with taking it every week if you do it for the right reason. I'm not saying that, remembering him. But it's almost like unto salvation. And so, anyway, rules, 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 rules. Okay, now, I want to uh, have you look in John eight thirty six with me. And uh, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. We have freedom in Christ if we want this. See, he didn't have freedom. I keep reaching down, but I'm tying my sandals. He didn't have freedom. He had the gifts. He was in right standing with his father. Wasn't with it. He wasn't with his brother, but who cares? But he was with his father, but he had no freedom. And he kept, is this okay? Is my robe, is, uh, it, did I do it right? And he was just tied up with this. And, and people, I'm telling you something. I know that some of you are, because I've been there. Actually, years of my life trying to please my daddy and not my real father but him too but uh trying to please my daddy and he go i you're pleasing to me son i love you i said welcome well yeah but i have all this whatever they told you that i didn't and you say well what about all the the laws that were written down you know for the old testament they're done away with and again i can show you if you read galatians we can, we can talk about that. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about. So this part of Revel, or Galatians is going to talk about our freedom versus our enslavement. And they call it that. Every verse that talks about freedom, it talks about enslavement. Let me read these real quick. And we'll go here. Uh, so Galatians, so Christ said, I want to give you freedom. We just read that. It's truly free. Galatians 2.4 says, even that question came up only because some of the so-called believers there, false one really, who were secretly brought in, they sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And they did. They snuck in and said, you've got to be baptized. I mean, excuse me. You've got to be circumcised. Okay? They wanted to enslave us and force us to abolish their Jewish regulations about, about circumcision. They're trying to take away our, our freedom. So did you see that? Freedom and enslaved. Let's go to the next one. God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so he could adopt us as his very own children. Freedom, slaves. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Okay, I'm gonna, I just want to comment on that. This could take a long time, and there's whole, I mean, it, it would if we really delved into this. We are free in Christ. And you say, what does that mean? Because some people get, you mean we can't do, and we are free in Christ. And you say, well, that sounds like a license I can do anything I want to do. Uh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? But we'll read other places and whatever, and I think about this if I'm free with my, with my spouse or whatever the case may be. Why would you? 
I don't want to hurt my, or not they're going to hurt him, but I don't want to displease my father. I mean, he, loves, I can, he can be displeased when I said about the stuff about keeping rules. Sure, the, the little girl going to Disneyland World. Uh, she could be displeased, or her dad could be displeased with her, and maybe even give her a swat in the butt saying you might have some consequences. I mean, whatever, but it has nothing to do with my... So I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, yes, we can. But we fall into and we go around these Christian circles and ask, um, so let's go to this church and just kind of feel it out and see, okay, they don't do that, or they don't... That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about what the Father says. And he says, we are free indeed. We are free. And, and if you're doing something that's, that's displeasing to him, he'll let you know. But I'm just going to flat out say this because we can back these things up. And so you say, well, this is kind of controversial or whatever, but is there anything wrong with having a beer? No, not. Jesus turned water into wine, one of his first. Now, guess what it does say? Don't get drunk with wine, which is, anyway, you got that one. Don't get drunk. So you see there's the amount. But, but boy, a lot of places you even said that. They'd be like running me out of here on a rail. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I mean, there's all sorts of verses. Like I said, I can't cover all of them. But there's all sorts of verses out there to talk about why maybe you shouldn't. Because there's the weaker brother. If somebody would have an alcohol problem, we love them more than our freedom. And it says that. But you do have freedom. But you love your brothers and sisters. And I don't want anybody to stumble. You're going to do it in front of some youngsters that whatever, and then they're out there on Friday. No. I mean, you've got to have some common sense. And again, the Holy Spirit will give you that. But... I guess what I was, and I'm going to close here, but I guess what I want to encourage you with is one of three things. And I'm sure with a group this size, uh, and I hope there are, in fact. I hope there's people in here that really don't have a, that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never even been there. You're not even a son yet, said the prodigal son. You're not even a child of God yet. That you would simply come to him and thank him for giving himself on the cross for you. And it's not complicated, it's just coming, Daddy. Perhaps you, you are the prodigal. And you're away. And you've felt that. Then come back. There's like a whole bunch of, of levels here. Or maybe you have come back, and you get into this and say, I just can't live this. I just can't be that good. You don't have to be good. God will do that work in your heart, and there's promises that say that in Scripture. He will do the work in your heart. You can't do it. It's like you can't get somebody else saved. And you can't save yourself. He will work on your heart as you read the thing. And people look and say, man, you have changed over the last couple of years. Praise God, I didn't do it. Okay? And fourthly, I hope that you're the, the welcoming, loving church. And I say, you, you are, because you are part of the church. Come alongside somebody struggling. Tell them, you're okay. Jesus died for you. I'm not judging you, dude. I've been there. So maybe I did put on all the fancy clothes and the, the whatever, that Christian-y look, whatever that is. But the thing is, I'm no better than you are. Come on in. Yeah, you smell like the pigs. What I mean by that might not be real pig, but you smell like that. But get in here. I want the whole church to stink. Don't you? I want the world in here. So wherever you are, I hope this is spoken to you. I want to uh, invite you to as we sing, perhaps if you want to, you know, you do what you want to do. If you want to stay seated or stand up, but would you really have a conversation with God about this? Because it's important. Am I, am I a legalistic 
Boy, I saw him over a river. Are we that way? Could be. There are times, sure. Where are you? Have a talk with God. Okay? Let's pray. Father, it's been a great morning and great verses. We thank you. Thank you that you want us to live in freedom. That you want us to to, uh, be happy, joyful, uh, not looking over our shoulders at uh, something we did wrong. And thank you, Daddy, that you're there telling us, hello, son, hello, daughter, as we look up at you. That we can stand up with, uh, because of what you did for us and look you in the eyes and say, hi, Dad. And uh, so thankful that you love us and, and care for us so much. Father, I do love these people, and I just ask that uh, uh, you would do a work uh, this morning. And Father, we want to see people come here broken and, and uh, uh, the stink. And uh, we want to come alongside of them. We want to show them the good news, and we want to be there with them. So what a great morning, and we, we love you. Just be with us now as we continue to praise. And it's your name we pray. Amen.